Welcome back to the podcast. We have a lot to get into today. First, going to talk about the Lakers. AD and LeBron plan to come back and play on Friday night, but is it a little bit too late? As they try to fight for their last play-in spot. Also, NFL overtime rules have changed. Talk about that for a little bit. Go over the Eastern Conference playoff race for the first seed after the Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics Heat games. Going to talk about the National League Central Division. Get my thoughts about that division. Also, going to do my picks for the Final Four. Talk about Bruce Arians' retirement from coaching, going to the front office. Todd Bowles should do a pretty good job over there, in my opinion. And the former Seahawks legend is now going to a division rival. Going to give my thoughts about that as a Seahawks fan. Yep. Here we go. Well, past couple of games, we got some pretty big matchups that deeply affected the Eastern Conference race for the first seed. Obviously, we had Tuesday where the Bucks and the Sixers played a fantastic game where the Bucks, the defending champs, were able to hold on after a double-digit lead collapse. Once again, by the Philadelphia 76ers, the Bucks came back and won. They took a two-point win over the Sixers. And obviously yesterday, last night, the Heat went into Boston and took care of business against the Boston Celtics, putting them back into the first seed by a game over the Bucks, And as of the Eastern Conference standings are right now, the Heat, who had just clinched a playoff spot last night, they still hold on to the first seed, but it's a very, very slim lead. A one-game lead over the defending champions by a game, followed by the Sixers, who are now two games back, and the Celtics, who are now two games back of the first seed. And if you want to talk about, there are a couple interesting races here. First of all, there's a, there's the race for the one seed between the Heat, Bucks, Sixers, and the Celtics. And then there's the race to get out of the playing tourney with the Bulls and the Raptors both have an even record, and the Cavs are two games back of them with a few games left. I want to talk, Let's talk about the play, get out of the playing race first. Let's talk about the team that's currently would be hosting the <laughs> Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the play-in. That's a tough draw, too. That is a very tough draw in the first round of a play-in tournament. And let's start with talk, let's talk with the Cavs. The Cavs. Um, they have six games left on the remaining schedule. Some winnable, some not so winnable. But they're going to get a lot of help down the stretch, I believe. As of right now, they play the Hawks today. They need to win that one. They play the Knicks. On Saturday, must win that one. And then on Tuesday, April 5th, they play the Magic. Must win. They had to win those three games because they had to play the Sixers on the third. They played the Nets on the eighth. And the Bucks to finish the season. And I believe they need to win the, they need to win the hot game against the Hawks. They had to win the game against the Knicks. They had to win the game against the Magic. And somehow managed to steal at least one of those three games between the Sixers, the Nets, and the Cavs. If they have a chance to get back into the play-in or get out of the play-in tournament, my bad, get out of the play-in tournament. Most because, like I said, they are two against back of the Raptors and the Bulls. The Raptors, they don't exactly have an easy schedule themselves, but it's a lot easier than the Cavs. They play the Magic tomorrow, and they play the Heat on Sunday, so the 
the Cavs get a little help there, probably. If the Heat show up. Um, then the Raptors play the Hawks. Then they play the Sixers. And then they play the Rockets. And then they finish the season against the Knicks. So, and of course, the Bulls, who are currently sitting in the five seed. They probably have the toughest finish to the season by far. They play a scrappy Clippers team today. That's no guarantee. Then they go. Then they host the Miami Heat, who they have struggled mightily against this year. Then they got host of the defending champions, Milwaukee Bucks. That's no fun. And then they got to play the Celtics. Great. And then they play the Hornets. That's probably the easiest opponent they have left on the schedule. And then they got to go on the road at Minnesota. So. I guess the thing for the Bulls is they do have a little bit of cushion ahead of the Cavaliers. I do think the Raptors will pass the Bulls, and they will be the five seed. And that just comes down to the Bulls and the Cavaliers, which one will have to avoid playing the playing the Nets in the playing game. Uh, if I had to choose right now, I know the Cavs are a little bit banged up at the moment, but. The schedule's easier, and they don't have to rely. And the Bulls have, and the Bulls have not been playing great basketball lately. Yes, they beat the Wizards last night. I mean on Tuesday, but still, they have not played great basketball lately, and that kind of opens the door for a team like the Cavs to potentially slip in to that playing spot. So we'll see how that goes. All things for certain is either the Bulls or the Cavs are going to end up playing the, the Nets in the in the plane. I don't see the Raptors falling in. Their schedule is just not that heavy hitting, and they're playing decent basketball at the moment. Now for the other race in the Eastern Conference, the battle for the first seed. Like I said, you got the Heat, you got the Bucks, you got the Sixers, and you got the Celtics. The Heat, obviously, right now sitting in the first seed, got a big win last night in Boston. And um, this Heat team is interesting to me. They are my favorite team. There's no secret about that. And these last four game, and their, that four game losing streak kind of scared me for a little bit because the offense was not clicking at all. There was some dysfunction, especially in that Warriors game. But these last two games have. Slowly built my confidence back in this team. I, I know one of those games was the Kings, and the Kings are horrible. But that game in Boston, hostile environment, that performance in the fourth quarter, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. You held that Boston Celtics offense to only 15 points in the quarter. Came back, closed the game. Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry did their thing in that game. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Now, the Heat, they have a moderate schedule left on on the docket. They got five games left, two of them against playoff teams, I believe. The Bull at Bulls at Raptors, so that's going to be a tough one. But then they got two home games against the Hornets and the Hawks, two teams they should be, and then they go on the road to Orlando, who, yeah. (laughs) Let's not talk about that. So, if they can... Honestly, I think if they can just go one and one in the, in these next two games, I, I think they should be fine to get the first seed. I would like them to finish with a five-game winning streak, but like I said, I wouldn't mind. 
I do think they do have one of the the second easiest schedule left of these four remaining teams. The team that has the easiest schedule by far in this race for the first seed is the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, you want to talk about cupcake. You got to play the Pistons twice, the Pacers twice, the Hornets, the Cavs, and the Raptors. If your hardest opponent left on the schedule is the Raptors, uh, you're going to win a lot of ball games <laughs> in their last seven games. They got seven games left as well. But I do like their chances to move up into the one or the two seed potentially. Light schedule and beating Harden. Definitely, I don't. Ugh. Honestly, Tyrese Maxey could probably lead the Sixers to a couple of wins by himself in that last seven game stretch. But then we got the defending chance Milwaukee Bucks, who probably have the second hardest schedule left out of this four. Giannis and the Bucks take on the Brooklyn Nets tonight at 7.30 in about an hour as of recording of this podcast. Um, looking forward to that one. So I'm trying to wrap this up as soon as I can. You got the Clippers and the Bucks. And they got to play the Clippers. Not an easy team. A little scrappy. So that won't be an easy one. I uh, laid the Bucks who could win that one. Mavericks and Bucks, uh, that can go either way. Bulls and Bucks, eh. Bulls have not been playing great basketball. So they probably could beat them. Celtics and Bucks, that's going to be an interesting game back on April 7th. And then they finish with the Pistons and the Cavs. They should win both of those games. And then the Celtics, who probably have the hardest schedule remaining of, of those two. Pacers tomorrow, so easy dub. Wizards tomorrow. I mean, on the third, easy dub. And then they finish off with at Bulls, at home against the Bucks, and at the Grizzlies. So, any chance for the Boston Celtics to climb their way back into the first seed conversation? They have to, obviously, they have to take care of business against Indiana, take care of business against Washington. Probably should take care of business against a struggling Bulls team. And then, I don't know. Maybe you catch a resting Grizzlies team, because as of right now, they, they did clinch the two seed. Grizzlies literally have nothing to play for at this point. So maybe you catch a resting Grizzlies team. Maybe you sneak a win there. I know you're not going to beat play. You're definitely not going to get a break against Milwaukee because they're still going to be playing for something, obviously. But that's what that's just my take on the Eastern Conference right now. And just to give my final picks, where I think everybody's going to stand, I think the Heat will hang on to the one seed. The Sixers will take the two seed, just because the schedule's so fucking cupcake. Bucks will finish third. Celtics fourth. Raptors fifth. Oh, Bulls six. Cavs seven. Nets eight. Hornets and then Hawks. Actually, no. Flip Hornets and Hawks. Hawks will finish ninth. Hornets will finish 10th. Yeah, that's just my thought for the Eastern Conference. I'll, these playoffs are going to be a blood bath. Hmm. Now, I hate to be that guy, but, yep, you guessed it. I'm talking Lakers. Now, AD plans to make his return from his injury on Friday. 
And LeBron's also going to be trying to come back on Friday with their upcoming matchup against the New Orleans Pelicans. But is it a little too late? For me, I think it is. They play the Jazz tonight. They're going to lose that matchup against the Jazz. There's no doubt in my mind about that. They're going to lose to the Jazz. And they're going to fall again. But the Spurs back into the 10th seed. Obviously, AD and LeBron come back Friday against the Pelicans. And um, I don't know if they can make a run. I really don't. Unless AD comes back and absolutely dominates like his Pelican days. I just don't see where they can actually start making a run. Their schedule down the stretch is not exactly an easy one. They got the Nuggets. They got well, they got the Nuggets twice. The Suns and the Warriors. And they got one cupcake game. I say I say that very loosely, but cupcake should be cupcake is the OKC Thunder. And I honestly don't know. I mean even if they do make the play in, will it really matter? Will it really matter? If they do make the play in, and let's say they do somehow win the first play in game, which I which they should against the Pelicans, will it really matter? Even if this team somehow managed to make the playoffs, I don't think it matters. If they get the set they get the eighth seed, they're gonna play the Suns and they're gonna get bounced first round. But let's just get that straight. They're going to get bounced in the first round. If they get it at all, that is. Now, back to the question of them making the playing game. It's a two te- It's a three-team race for this final two playing spots. I'm not going to... The Timberwolves and Clippers, they're probably going to be the seven and eight seeds going into the playing. They're probably locked into that spot. That leads the Pelicans, the Lakers, and the Spurs to battle it out for those final two playing spots. Now, the Pelicans, they have six games left, all pretty easy games, all very winnable games. They play the Lakers tomorrow. That's a big one in terms of playing games. They can finally separate themselves from the Spurs and the Lakers in the play-in. And then they got a light schedule ahead of them. And then you got the Spurs. Never really count on Coach Popovich. Whatsoever, they did play a very tough game against the Grizzlies last night, so they still can cause some havoc in the Western Conference. They got back-to-back games against Portland. Two very winnable games there. Nuggets, that's going to be tough. Timberwolves, again, very tough. Warriors, tough. And then they got the Mavericks, very tough. So, yeah. I think it's very possible for the Lakers to make the play-in. I'm not going to be one of those guys that said I was going to be crying, oh, my God, the Lakers are running out of time, and it might be too late. I look at the schedule. I look at them getting a healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron back for the final six, seven games of the season. And, yeah, I do make them, I do see them making the play-in tournament. Then the question I have for this Lakers team is, can they make the playoffs? Now let's say let's say everything stays the same. The Lakers, the Pelicans, 
They hang on. The Spurs drop out. Lakers at the Pelicans for the first round of the play-in. And could they win that game? Yeah, they could. They could win that game. I mean, they should with all the talent they have. But then they're going to go against the Timberwolves and, or the Clippers in the second playing game. And uh, that's where things get tougher. Things get a lot tougher there. That's where the question is, can they actually – could they beat Minnesota? Could they beat the Clippers who completely owned them the past couple of games? Maybe. Possibly. And even if they do, what's the reward? To get bounced in the first round by the Suns who have looked completely unbeatable this entire season? Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, yeah. So, in conclusion, can the Lakers make the play in? Yes. With a healthy squad, they're going to be just good enough to make the play in. Can they make the playoffs? Maybe. They're not getting past for. Look. Best case scenario for the Lakers is right now. They win two playing games and then they get bounced in the first round. Let's just get that straight. I'm being serious about that. And I I wouldn't be surprised if they do make the playoffs. If they do, cool. Season wasn't a complete waste. If they don't make the playoffs... It is what it is. But if they somehow don't manage to make even the play-in, I don't think they will miss it. But if they did, uh, the only one who will apparently to take heat for all this would be Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. That's it. They won't blame anybody else. Just those two. Because... That's just how the criticism works, I guess. Oh, yeah. Lakers will make the plan. They'll make the plan. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but if they do, it ain't going to amount to much. Maybe five extra games at the most. So the NFL has agreed to a new overtime rule, which will only be in effect for the postseason for some reason where now both teams will be guaranteed a possession in overtime. And I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Obviously, it would have been nice to see Josh Allen with the ball last year in overtime, but obviously we did not. But to prevent everything from going, the game going on forever, if everything's going back and forth, the NFL does it. New rule does say that after both teams get a possession, next score wins, which is fine, which is fine. It gives both teams a chance to score or get a stop. Like, honestly, if you can't get one stop, it's bad. But if you can't get two, yeah, yeah, you deserve to lose that game. It is what it is. Um... I'm still kind of confused why it's only in the postseason. But, of course, I can also see why. Postseason games matter a lot more than regular season games for some teams. But if you're going to put in a new rule 
why not just put it in for the entirety of the season? It is what it is, though. It's gonna be weird. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what and how this affects certain playoff races. How it affects some playoff games. Like if this rule was in effect last year, who knows how long that Bills Chiefs game would have gone on? Probably not much longer because the Bills could not stop the Chiefs' offense worth the dang in the second half of that football game. But who knows? Now. Maybe we'll see teams defer more in overtime. I don't know. We'll just see how that goes. Okay. On to some other NFL news. We have some news that are coming out of Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians last night stepped down and retired as co- from coaching in the NFL. Todd Bowles will be taken over as head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His defense was pretty solid the past couple years in Tampa Bay. Great defensive mind. His one stint as a head coach of the New York Jets wasn't the greatest, but it's the damn Jets. What do you expect? So we'll see how it goes there. I know a lot of people are saying that it's a power move for Tom Brady. Me, It, it is what it is for me. I really do not care what it is. I don't care if it's a power move. I don't care if it's just his own decision. I really don't care. All that matters is Bruce Arians done the better things. They got the quarterback back. And, hey, the Rooney rule has also been fulfilled by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's good for them as well. So there's that. Do I think this new head coach, Todd Bowles being the head coach of the Buccaneers, will play a role come down the stretch in the NFC? I don't know. Will it affect the Bucks' chances to win a Super Bowl? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, for crying out loud, they're Tom Brady. For crying out loud, for crying out loud, they're Tom Brady. I think they'll be just fine either way. Either they had Bruce Arians or Todd Bulls at the helm of the Buccaneers. And of course, dude, this is the last little NFL recap thing. Bobby Wagner. Signs a five-year deal worth $50 million, which can go up to $65 million with the Los Angeles Rams. So, salary cap's a myth. <laughs> salary, cap, salary cap is such a myth, man. I mean, come on, man. Where do the Rams get this money from? Where? Where? And they still got to extend Aaron Donald. Where do they get the money from? Anyway, as a Seahawks fan, it hurts so bad to see him go to the Rams. Now I got to see him twice a year. I don't, this defense is going to look ridiculously good. Obviously, it's going to be a little different from the they go from Vaughn Miller linebacker to a pass rushing linebacker to Bobby Wagner, who can do a lot of different things. He can cover. He can blitz. Obviously, he's a great run stopper. He is 31, but still, he had a great season last year. So, there's that. And, God, how many all pros do they have on that team combined? Donald has a few. More than a few. Ramsey, obviously. 
Obviously, you put Bobby in there. Ugh, dude. This defense just won't be fair. It won't be fair. It won't be fair. And they're going to torment the NFC West for a while. They're going to torment the NFC for a while. And if you didn't think they were favorites before in the to win the NFC, yeah, look out. They're definitely the favorites now. <sighs> so, the National League Central might potentially be the second worst division in baseball this year behind only the American League Central. But there's some interesting storylines going here, going on here, from the Brewers. I don't. We'll see, can they finally step up and be a true contender in the National League? They got that great rotation. The Cardinals. They brought back Apple Pujols to join the little last dance ride thing they got going on with Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, and now Apple Pujols. I think all three of them are going to retire Cardinals. At the end of the season. Then you got the Cubs. I don't know what's going on in Chicago. I thought they were rebuilding. But then they went out this offseason and got Marcus Stroman. They went out and got Seiya Suzuki. Anderton Simmons is a solid shortstop defensively. I don't know much, how much how much of an impact he's, he's still at the plate. But we'll see how that goes. The Reds had a complete fire sale for... Some odd reason, I don't know. Cheap, cheap ass owners in Cincinnati. And then you got, well, the fucking Pirates. <laughs> yeah, the fucking Pirates. Um, let's talk, let's start with the Brewers. The Brewers, oh man. Oh, what to say about the Brewers? Obviously, they got a great rotation still, headlined by Corbin Burns. The, obviously, the bullpen's led by one of the best relievers in baseball, and Josh Hader. But despite all that, despite the great rotation, despite the great bullpen, the offense is a little bit lackluster, in my opinion. And it didn't get much better in the offseason, I believe. They lost Avisel Gar- they lost Garcia in the offseason. They lost Eduardo Escobar. They did bring in Hunter Renfro and Andrew McCutcheon, though. I don't know how much of an impact that's going to make. On an offense, I kind of struggled at times this last season. Don't get me wrong, they're still a good team, but I just don't know if I can call them a true contender in the National League, especially with teams like the Giants, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Phillies, the Mets. I don't know. I do think they're good enough to win this division. I have them going 89 73 at the best and win the Central again, but. I'm not really sure this team's ready to be a true contender yet. I just don't know. They have the rotation. They have the bullpen. I just don't know if they bring enough offensively to the table to compete with the Braves, the Dodgers, and all these other contenders in the National League. But who knows, man? This sport of baseball is weird. On to the Cardinals. Um... I do have them finishing in second, not by the largest of margins, but I do think they're a good enough team to compete in the Central Division. I don't know if they're going to make a magical wild card run like they did at the end of last year, but I do like this team. They do have a lot of guys that can still play well. Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina. They bring they brought in guys like Steven Matz, Corey Dick- Dickerson to help out. 
Obviously, got a lot of young guys like Tyler O'Neill coming in, playing pretty good basketball. Not baseball. Yeah, wrong sports. Wrong sports. Tyler O'Neill is going to be an interesting player this year. He's a breakout candidate this year, maybe for most improved player. I know that's not exactly award in baseball, but for me, I, that's what category I put in him, him in. Most improved. But I have this Cardinals team finishing 85 and 77 at the best. Um, rotation's okay. Bullpen's okay. Lineup is okay. They got a few stars in there. Arenado, O'Neal. But I don't know. I see this more – I see this little farewell parade to be more of a charade than anything. So we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. I do think they they won't be completing for a playoff spot this year, but I do like the futures going when they send out three legends this year. Now for the part of the most confusing team in the Central, the Cubs. Now we all know what happened last year at the deadline. They traded basically their entire core away. Baez gone, Rizzo gone, Bryant gone. And we all thought, oh, they might go into a rebuild. And they got some pieces to go into a rebuild that could have been pretty good. But now this offseason, they made some pretty moves that seemed otherwise. You don't bring in a Marcus Stroman for a rebuild. You don't bring in a guy like Seiya Suzuki, who I think is going to be pretty good, for a rebuild. This Cubs team is confusing. And they didn't really lose anybody. They got some nice young talent and Patrick Wisdom leading the way. They brought in some veteran pieces into the rotation like Marcus Stroman, Anderton Simmons, a veteran shortstop. I don't know. I just I have them finishing 83 and 79 at the worst. At the I mean at the best. I don't know where this team's going. I really don't know. If they get a hot, if they start a hot and play good baseball in the first half of the regular season, I could see them making some moves to upgrade the team and maybe make a push for a wild card spot, especially with more playoff spots open this year, with 12 playoff spots open this year, with a new playoff format. I don't know. This Cubs team is going to be hard to figure out for me, but we'll see how it goes. Now this team, now these next two teams just piss me off. These type of teams just piss me off. These cheap ass owner teams just piss me off sometimes. Let's start with the Cincinnati Reds. The Cincinnati Reds last year were so close to making a push for the playoffs last year. They fell just short, and honestly, they could have been a lot better. They could they they could have been a lot better, but instead they tr- they just I don't know. They they wave wave. Wade Miley, and he goes to the Cubs. Um, I forgot to mention the Cubs. They also got Wade Miley to go into that rotation. Um, they traded Jesse Winker and Ihuenio Suarez to the Mariners and got back Jake Fraley and Justin Dunn and Brandon Williamson, who I did like as a member of the Mariners' farm system, but that does nothing. And they also lose Nick Castellanos. Why? Y'all were so close to competing last year. Like, if it weren't for a magical Cardinals run last year, y'all could have been in the wild card game last year. And y'all decided to blow it up. 
Y'all just needed one or two more pieces to compete. And with an expanded playoffs, y'all could have competed. What? I just don't get it. I really never – I don't get it. If I'm a Reds fan – if you're a Reds fan, I'm absolutely fucking sorry for y'all with your cheap-ass ownership. But it is what it fucking is. I have y'all finishing in 74 – or in 88 at your best, especially with the team blowing up. I don't be – I'm surprised y'all haven't traded Luis Castillo yet. I'm surprised he's still around. I won't be surprised if y'all move him at the deadline. I am sorry, Reds fans. That is ridiculous. As for the Pirates, <laughs> uh, there are different type of people that get me pissed off. Service time manipulation is a joke. It really is. And I'm not going to waste much time with the Pirates. Y'all are finishing with 60. You're going 60 102 this year. That's my pick for y'all. And... It looks like you have to wait a little bit longer to watch O'Neill Cruz perform at the major league level, which is so dumb because let's say he comes up in late April, right? It performs well. With the new CBA, let's say he finishes top two in rookie D voting. He gets full year service time now. What is the point of demoting him? <laughs> what is the point of not Having to be on the starting opening day lineup. I don't get it. What's the move here for the Pirates? And I really hope they don't keep him down long enough to be ineligible for rookie of the year voting because that would really piss people off. But it is what it is. They have really no one key additions whatsoever, unless you count Roberto Perez and Jose Quintana and Daniel Vogelback. Significant moves. It is what it is. Pirates. Pirates fans, I'm sorry. Y'all are not going to be great again. Y'all finishing 60-102. That's just my predictions for y'all. And that's just my look at the National League Central. I got the Brewers winning the division. I got the Cardinals coming in second. The Cubs in third. Unless they pay like unless they make crazy moves at the deadline. Revs in fourth and Pirates in fifth. That's just my look at the National League Central. And, dude. Man, the Reds are fucking trash. All right, so to wrap this up, we have the Final Four coming up this weekend, and I'm very excited for it. We've got Duke taking on North Carolina for the first time ever in the tournament, and this will be Coach K's last time taking on North Carolina for sure this time. And it's probably one of the biggest stages in all the sports in the Final Four. And we got Kansas taking on a banged up Villanova team who seems just to seems just to be falling apart at the worst possible time health-wise. I'm just gonna make my picks real quick for the final four. So let's just get the quick one out of the way. Kansas will beat Villanova. If Villanova was healthy, I would give Villanova more of a chance in this game. But Kansas is healthier. They have pretty good amount of talent. Probably the second most talented team left in the tournament. Don't get me wrong. I like Connor Gillespie and Villanova if they were healthy. I would probably pick Villanova if they were fully healthy. But I do Kansas, I think Kansas is more talented overall, and they're healthier. So I'm going to take Kansas to beat Villanova and add to the national championship game. 
And then we got the main event. Duke versus North Carolina. Now, Duke is going to win this game. Two reasons. One, Duke's going to be playing for revenge from that horrible final game in camera in Duke, at Duke when they hosted North Carolina. And North Carolina just came in to came in to Duke and just dominated them there. Also, I just like this team more. I really do. Don't get me wrong. I love North Carolina. They probably they probably got hot at the best possible time, but I think the run ends here for the North Carolina Tar Heels. But they have nothing to be ashamed of. Everybody was talking about the downfall of North Carolina basketball, and I was one of them, especially back in the beginning of the year when they got absolutely destroyed by Villanova in Tennessee at that Hall of Fame Classic thing. But there's that. So there, that's the end of that. And my national championship game is going to be Duke and Kansas. I'm going to take Duke to beat Kansas. And, yeah, that's all I got. That's my picks for the Final Four. And for anyone worrying about the, the women's Final Four, just go with South Carolina or Stanford. Or, I don't know, maybe UConn. I don't know. Final pick, South Carolina. They're just too damn good. But, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I've realized that opening day is next Thursday, so the next episode's probably going to come out on a Tuesday. And it's probably just going to be me breaking down the rest of the divisions, breaking down the rest of the teams, making my final picks for the NLB playoffs, and all that stuff. But until then, I'm out.